Welcome to the May the Smoke Be With You podcast. And now here's your host, Joe Levitt. Hello and welcome to this episode of the May the Smoke Be With You podcast. Again, we are live from Lynchburg, Tennessee at the Jack Daniels World Championship Barbecue Invitational. We got some woos there. Yes, uh, the crowd is huge. Uh, you should just see it this morning. Just super thick. Actually, we're really early in the morning, uh, and, and my guest uh, reached out and said, hey, I'm available for like 30 minutes. And I was like, please run over here right away. Uh, and it's truly an honor to have uh, Amy Mills with me. Amy is, I would say, kind of barbecue royalty. Is that appropriate? Would, do, would well, that's you, very kind. Thank very you. kind. I mean, very I guess kind. I can't ask you, are you barbecue royalty? And then you say yes, because then that would be like a little... That would be weird. That would be a little weird. I, I perceive you as barbecue royalty. Uh, you are, I think, in the forefront. You're a face of barbecue. Uh, you come from 17th Street Barbecue in Illinois. Uh, your history is deep and rich, and we're going to talk about some of that. But please... Welcome to the podcast, Amy. Thank you so much for having me. What a pleasure. Absolutely. Well, first, I want to talk because you're multi-generational. You know, th- this didn't start with you. Uh, so give me a little bit of history of, of kind of where you first intersected the smoke, because I think it was maybe at a young age. I intersected the smoke at a very young age. And the story really starts with my grandfather, who had a barbecue sauce recipe, and, and my grandmother, Um, who had a barbecue sauce recipe in the 1930s. And my grandfather was a salesman for the Palmolive Pete Company. He sold soap suds and cigarettes by day. But by night, he was a barbecue man. They made this barbecue sauce and sold it to neighbors and friends. And he barbecued any chance he got. And so my dad used to say, um, I knew it was going to be a good day when I woke up to the smell of smoke because his dad would be out in the backyard in a pit that he had dug. Neighbors would bring meat to him to smoke, and it was just, um, anytime they camped, they would barbecue, and all of the campground would end up at their spot. His dream, my grandfather's dream, was to quit his job and have a barbecue stand and sell this barbecue sauce, but sadly he died when my dad was seven. So his two older brothers actually did have a barbecue stand at the Cape Girardeau swimming pool, the public pool. My dad was born in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, but moved to Murfreesboro at six months. But then, and he always barbecued. He built barbecue pits out of 55-gallon barrels to make extra money in high school. My grandmother continued to make that sauce and sell it to friends and neighbors and um, different. She made it for family all the time. We never went to her house without a sterilized glass jar that she would fill with barbecue sauce. So my dad really, you know, later in life, even though he cooked barbecue all the time for people, he didn't do it for money until later in his life when he started 17th Street. So at what point, what was he doing in between? You know, he was always cooking, uh, but what was his... He was a dental technician. So okay. he had a lab above my uncle's dentist office that made dental prosthetics. So okay. false teeth, bridges, crowns, things like that. And was he... He was on the competition circuit? He was. He started the competition circuit. He really... Um, started a barbecue contest in Murfreesboro 
we just celebrated our 36th year in September. And he started that contest as an economic driver. He wanted Murfreesboro in September to become like Memphis in May. So we have an apple festival. We had a wine festival. And he wanted to have this barbecue festival so that people would know every weekend in September something something great is happening. Our town um, was really on the decline. Walmart had come to town. All the mom and pop stores had closed. So he was really viewing this as an economic driver, knowing that other people's money coming into town turns over multiple times. Uh, so 36 years, I mean, that, that's a, I mean, at that point on the barbecue map, it probably was, there were smaller regional things, but probably Memphis and May was the, the big one. Yes. And then because of his own, uh, probably name on the competition circuit it probably drew some folks well it's the opposite he decided that he needed to have a team so that he could draw folks to our contest so he and his friends formed a team and very quickly started winning big okay so on their fifth contest they won grand champion and won entry that's when you had to win your way into memphis in may with a grand champion in a sanctioned contest and then they won Memphis in May with the first perfect score ever. Wow. And the first team above the Mason-Dixon line to win. So really so that just started the, of, right out of the gate. Now, yes. I imagine, did he ever talk or did you ever experience in those early days? Like, that's, hey, get your hands off our barbecue. Like, you, are you, was he a, like a Yankee and almost like oh, no. they accepted him? Southern Illinois is Midwestern with a Southern accent. Pretty redneck up We're, there. We are, um, you know, just three hours north of Nashville. Yeah an hour from Paducah, Kentucky. We're actually lower on the map. Um, we're farther south than Louisville, Kentucky, or Richmond, Virginia. We're I, pretty south. I would have never guessed. I would. Have, you could have bet me a million dollars right now, true or false, and I would, have, I would have bet it all that you guys were north of Louisville. That's crazy. No, no, but it's, it's, Illinois is a very long state. We're also the beginning of the alluvial delta. It's just, it's really beautiful country. And people, once they discover Murfreesboro and Southern Illinois, they come back again and again. And so you, uh, the competition circuit was very, very kind to you guys. Yes. A lot of wins, a lot of grand championships, uh, kind of became a legend. Uh, A friend of mine, uh, Kevin Grow, uh, I don't know if you know Kevin. Of course I do. Um, He was was my barbecue sensei. Uh, So we kind of met at an event uh, and then he... He quickly just, he was the guy that, you know, the first time I'm cooking ribs on a, on a new smoker, I'm calling him like seven times, you know, like he's my, my 911, my phone a friend. Um, but he, he spoke so very highly of you uh, and, your, and your father. Um, so talk about the transition for you, obviously around it at a young age, but when did you realize like, hey, this is going to be my life because it is your life. It definitely is my life now. <laughs> I went away to journalism school at Mizzou. I lived very briefly in Dallas and then a very long stint in Boston. And I have always worked in advertising, marketing, and PR jobs. And while I was in Boston, though, I did start working for 17th Street. So in 2000, I started doing marketing and PR for 17th Street. And that's something I could do anywhere, as long as you have a cell phone, a computer, and yeah. FedEx. You were remote before You can work anywhere. Cool. Exactly. And then I would travel back and forth. It. Exactly. Every <laughs> every six weeks or so, I'd be back and forth, or we would be meeting up at different events. So I might yeah. be flying in here or you yeah. know, anywhere that we were going. Um, you know, For the years that we were involved in Blue Smoke and the Big Apple Barbecue Block Party, I was just a four-hour train ride from yeah. New York City. So that was always really handy. And so when did you, so then stint in Dallas, then long, longer stint in Boston, 
at what point did you just say, I'm all in and moved kind of back home? I, well, I was all in. Even there, I was all sure. in. And as my children grew and went away to school, then I was able to be in Illinois for longer stints of time. But in 2016, I really was back full time. Nice. Um, and then you lost your father. In 2020. 2020. Like that wasn't a bad enough year. Let's, exactly. Let's add that. Exactly. Um, how has how that transition been? I know that the barbecue community has been incredibly supportive. I, I, saw, I witnessed that kind of online. Just the, uh, there's something about the people that are here this weekend, the people that compete all over the country, the people that just love barbecue. They, they use the phrase barbecue family, barbecue fam. And I, in moments like that, you witness it, you see it, you see these virtual hugs kind of coming from all over the country. Um, but what has that transition been like for you as you kind of now are taking the reins and it's you. Right. Well, most people don't know I really did take the reins in 2016 because, okay. <laughs> because my dad had a stroke, but I kept that pretty quiet because I really never wanted him to seem diminished in anyone's right. eyes. Protected, so, yeah. Very protected, but that really allowed me to do... The transition was already happening. The, the transition the had happened. Yeah. And, you know, that really allowed me to come in and, and start doing my thing with yeah. his with his support and sure. and when he was still able to help me and guide me and teach me and, and tell me even more things that I didn't already know um, so that that worked out I mean really it worked out so well I was always afraid he would just you know keel over on his bar stool and that would be it but that's not what happened so I was really grateful for those years that I had with him and you know. he continued I think in that in that time as I became more aware of the barbecue uh, family and, and barbecue he was very much the face of the festival and everything that was happening oh absolutely there at 17th Street. absolutely yeah. um so that you kind of take the reins in 2016 you're what do you think's different about the the 17th street of 2016 to present versus before like you know can you look at things and say we we really made these changes we uh we changed the way we systematize some things or Maybe my leadership's a little different. Um, what so everything and nothing. Okay. <laughs> so the food, nothing. We, sure. we are very dedicated to that food being exactly the way. Mm -hmm. We really have tweaked very little, yeah. very, very little. And, but operationally, I think we have probably tightened some mm -hmm. things just a little bit. We've added a coffee shop. We've added a barbecue sauce factory. So we have many more pieces of business yeah. right now and some of the things that were already in play were things that I had instituted anyway mail order um, and obviously any marketing thing so yeah. what I had to start really wrapping my arms around were operational financial details which to a marketer are very boring yeah so the uh, the sauce component is that something that you're just producing yours or are you co-packing we co-pack for others so we produce our sauces we co-pack for other people nice yeah Great. So that has been great. Uh, and you guys, you trademarked, I think, praise the lard, right? Yes. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, and peace, love, and barbecue. Those yes. are those are both fantastic. Thank you. Uh, and you got you can find they can find all the merch uh, with those wonderful slogans at Seventeenth Street Barbecue. Lots of good merch. Yeah. Um, the uh, and then the praise the lard is that 
is that that's not the name of the festival. It is the name of the okay. festival. And w- was I, it I, always the name? No, it wasn't. Okay. But I renamed it that when we trademarked that term, so I could trademark it as the name of a festival. Ah, that's an easy, probably an easier way to do that. Well, I have protection. it trademarked under many different categories, You're but so that smart. but that was just one of them. So well, I have a good attorney. <laughs> that helps. Uh, diversification, obviously, something you guys did. The sauce, the coffee shop. Um, but I think there's another piece that I'd love to hear more about just your passion for, and that is you do a barbecue, the business of barbecue. Yes, the consulting. Let's, let's, yeah, talk about that. So that is one of my favorite things that we do. And for years, I watched people just pop into 17th Street and say, is Mike here? And he would spend four hours with someone telling everything. Yep. And, and sometimes to the detriment, soul, just, so generous. Yep. Generosity is a recipe for success. And mm. that is one of our wow, pillars. That's, that's one of our brand pillars for sure. But it, sometimes you do things to the detriment of your own business and you need to be doing other things, but you're just yeah. chit-chatting the day away. So I thought, you know, we're going to monetize that. And many pe- people call, people write, people stop by. Mm-hmm. So I organized that into classes. So we have three different classes that we offer. Mm-hmm. Uh, COVID has put the kibosh on that a little bit, but we, we've had one class a year since then, but we're getting back to our full schedule nice. next year. And so if somebody were to, to come to that class, what would they, what would they expect to experience? Well, this and, is, and who's the, who's the target? I guess. Sure. This is the only barbecue education that is really taught by a barbecue restaurant and it's like at a professional level so there are so many great cooking classes and competition classes out there but this is really about behind the scenes in a business so we show people really we're pulling back the iron curtain and letting people peek behind we share our suppliers and you know methods and all things like that but we really go through the four main barbecue meats how we prep and serve them and hold them holding is very key to everything because anybody can make something that tastes great right off the and pit, but it's it got to taste good all day. Friends, right. Exactly. So there's a big emphasis on all of those procedures. And we're not telling someone this is the way you have to do it, but this is what works for us. And obviously your, your wood, your seasoning, your sauce will all make that taste different. Yep. But we say, you know, our magic cooking number is 210. Yours might be 225 or 250, but this is just how we do it. Mm-hmm. And you can take it at home and then apply anything that you want to to make it your own. Yeah. We talk about financials. We go over like restaurant percentages and how much you should be spending on labor and food cost and your rent and all, all of those things that are so important because you can get in, in a big hole very, very quickly. Right. We talk about marketing, branding, PR. Um, we talk about staffing. We talk about concessions. We have one class that's wow. all about catering. So we you know, just really talk about catering from catering being everything from bulk pickups to mm-hmm. full-scale events. To go events. in and exactly. setting out the Schaefer's yourself and bringing the tablecloth and all the things. Exactly. Uh, and then we have one that's called the Whole Hog Extravaganza. And it's coming back in a little bit of a different form. But that one involves more people helping teach so many different styles of hogs. And we've, it's the whole hog extravaganza, brisket bonanza, barbecue MBA. So many, many more guest speakers yeah. involved in that class. Barbecue MBA was the one you were really just unpacking, right? That's the... Right. Well, the first one is the business of barbecue. Okay. Then we have the catering master class. Then we have the whole hog extravaganza. Um, I have to imagine, just as you were sitting here kind of talking through everything, I have to imagine there's some times when somebody shows up Maybe they're a competition team and they, they've maybe started a food truck and they think they're, they're ready. 
I have to think when you start unpacking this stuff that their eyes get huge and they feel incredibly probably at the same time overwhelmed and incredibly grateful to be it's like drinking from a fire hose oh yeah yeah and how how long is that so the classes are two days and we have had a a semester over 1400 people from 16 countries and 45 states so we have helped incubate barbecue restaurants all over the world which is really cool we have people who come who are six months in two years in 50 years in we have had some very legendary texas barbecue families sitting in our audience and I, I think I'm a serial learner. I go to seminars all the time. And I think if you come home from a seminar and you've learned two or three things that you can implement in your business, right. that can change everything. Yeah. So Because it's you're, always, you're operating on, on razor-thin margins. Exactly. It's not like you're, you've got 10 or 15% to give here and there. If you can take an idea that gets you one or two percentage points on food costs. Anything. On, you know, labor, whatever it is, you go, oh, that's a game changer. Exactly. Or they do that with catering. I never... We never thought of that. We've just been doing it this way because that's the way we've always... They're a mom and pop that just kind of grew up in Texas doing barbecue and they... There are so many people who do catering and it's fun and then you start counting your money and you think, wow, this is not very profitable (laughs) because you're not charging for all the right things. So we really unpack all of that. You know, the back end of things. A bulk pickup is a lot different than going and setting up in their conference room for 30 people and providing all the silverware and all the stuff. Exactly. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, you, you, you kind of flew by it, but you, you mentioned 210 is is your temperature. Is that kind of across the board for you guys? Not or chicken. Not and chicken. Not, and not, um, well, our brisket's pretty low. We pump it up at the end a little bit. But, okay. you know, we talk about, we all know this, and we're all friends and family in the barbecue world, but that steady temperature it cannot go up and down. Yeah. So we really, you just, it's steady. Whatever you choose to be your temperature, it just, just needs to stay it. there. Yeah. Right. Uh, that's fascinating because I, I don't know that I've I've heard somebody say something that that low. It's really low. Yeah. But if you ever look at our ribs, um, if if ribs are cooked at a higher temperature, the meat shrinks and you have the bones at the, sticking out at the end. Yeah. Our bones don't stick out. But like, they're done all the way through. They're done all the so way through. But the meat is, you just have more yield on mm. those, and the meat does not like seize up and shrink up. Yeah. It's just all the way to the end of the bone still. So was that the way he was cooking for competition as well? Because mm-hmm. I feel like yes. I feel like the competition world's changed pretty dramatically on that. And it feels like a lot of folks are going, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of higher. Hot temp- and fast. A yes. lot of higher temperatures yes. here. No, he was very much a, a purist and, and kept with all of that. Yeah. And I would say the ribs that we serve in our restaurant have that same flavor profile um, that he won Memphis in May with. Yeah. And then when we came back to Memphis in May, 18 years later and cooked those same ribs, they got 27th. And that was, he was not happy. <laughs> the, and the next year I kept saying, we have to make them sweeter. You know, the, the flavor profile has, has gone so sweet. And he finally said, I cannot do to a rib what is required to win. I can't do it. Yeah. So, um, we're going to go to whole hog. We're moving to the whole hog category. And we had much more success in whole hog. There, there was, uh, there, there's people, I was talking to somebody yesterday who was saying that regionally they, they can, they do well in a lot of States, but Georgia, they just, those judges there just do not like their f- flavor profile. Um, it was heavy smoke. I mean, he said it on the podcast. Uh, he won here last year, uh, but he won't go to Georgia because it's just a waste of time for him. He's going to get, 27th in, in ribs right where he's gonna no go, one wants that right where he in you know his his neck of the woods up in 
in, in St. Louis, he's gonna he's gonna win, and he's yeah. won a lot. And but in Georgia, they just they just don't like it. Um, as you kind of look at where 17th Street is today, what are some of those things that are still present today? Recipes, I think, are one of them. Uh, that still each day is kind of like your dad kind of speaking through the business? Well, we are very fortunate in our business to have about a quarter of the staff who have been with us from nine to 25 years. Wow. So everything my dad said, taught, did is still very much prevalent and running through our business. So we, there's something about being in that building every day. Well, we have several buildings, but the building where he sat every day, uh, I still have all of his shirts hanging up in rainbow order where he where he had them we really do feel surrounded by him mm-hmm. and and guided by him and you know one of our sayings has always been what would mike mills do yeah. and he would say if you have a question don't don't try to figure it out yourself you just think to yourself what would mike mills do and we even have a shirt with with that on it so i forgot the question now but just the, just how how even today what you know what things from your dad are still present and that's all that's, of it yeah it's it's all still present and i think the only thing that we're doing is evolving because obviously change or die right, right. so we're we're tightening things up operationally we operate a little bit differently yeah. maybe not quite so lax or loose yeah we look at numbers every day he didn't yeah. look at numbers every day but he knew he he intuitively knew he just he was he a, just gut, knew. a gut guy exactly led his business by gut and a lot of talent and probably got by on those things. And then you come in with kind of that little bit more of a business savvy kind of mindset uh, and, and really start to pay attention operationally. Are any of well, those- he had incredible business savvy, so I don't ever okay. want to no, discount no, that. Sorry, but yeah. but he, he exhibited it in different ways, for are, sure. Are there people that, um, you know, have been there? You know, I, I'm the organization that, that I work with, I've been there 20 years. Uh, and you know, working for the same same CEO, and you know things do change, and things are different in this company that I'm I'm with. Uh, I work for Dave Ramsey. I, I'm like hiding it, like people don't know that listen to the podcast. Um, but things are different the way we run the business now than we did when I started 20 years ago. Sure. And there were 60 people. Um, some people can't make those turns. Some for some people it's hard. You say you know a lot of people ask what would Mike Mills do? Are those are there times that those kind of old timers, people like me that would be there 20 years would be like, Mike wouldn't have done that. All the time. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I think the hardest thing really is teaching the, the next generation. You know, we have a whole slideshow that we orient people with and we talk about him and we ask them to read things. But they, you, if you didn't live through it, you really just will never know. Right. So it's very important to me to keep those people who are legacy and who keep all of that alive because people still I want people to still feel the same way when they come in 17th street and half of our business is out of town out of state out of country every single day every single day we have someone from a different country which is crazy in Murfreesboro Illinois right and we know because we ask and we put their cities and states and countries on a chalkboard and we're always looking at that and thinking wow look at this group who was here today yeah so we those people are coming Obviously, they're coming to eat the barbecue, but they're coming for this feeling. They want to mm. feel like a local. They want to feel like part of the barbecue family. They're there to worship yeah. at the church of barbecue. Yeah. So we want them to have as much as obviously great food, but also it's a feeling. You can feel great and eat mediocre food and have a great time. Right. 
that has to inspire the team. You know, when when they look up on the board and in that week there might have been somebody from from Italy, from the UK, from Mexico, wherever, and they're they're making it a point because Murfreesboro is really not on the way to many places. No, I mean St. Louis or Chicago, you could make your way, sure. I guess, kind of there. But you're you're going for you're going for 17th Street. Yeah. Yes. That's a lot. That that that, that inspires me just to you know uh, hear stories like that. Um, what what's next for you guys? Like as you look to kind of the next phase for 17th Street for you. I know you're still very much kind of a face of barbecue. You're kind of um, always out in the forefront. Um, but kind of what's what are you seeing as next for you folks? Well, we're still very much in a building mode with Faye, which is the coffee, breakfast, lunch, gourmet grocery shop, mm. which is in front of in the front of the building where, that houses the barbecue sauce factory. So building up that barbecue sauce business and co-packing business is very much um, top of mind yeah. right now. And obviously, you know, maintaining 17th Street. We're at a point now, 30... The, the sheriff just rolled by there. there we, yeah, a little noisy. <laughs> 38 years in where we have, you know, we have some repairs to do. Our place is a joint. You can never replicate... Um, this look and feel of and the 17th smell. street, the smell, right. but you walk up two steps and push the door in. So automatically out of code. So we can never change. Oh, because then you'd have to bring everything up to code. Exactly. Certain things, but there's, you know, there's constantly just making sure that the floor doesn't cave in or, yeah. you know, that soft spot that just keeps getting deeper and deeper right now we're putting in a new walk-in and that has required a huge shift back in our kitchen I because bet that walk-in was literally there in 1985 and it was like an old fashioned kind of freezer. So, you know, small incremental improvements daily. Well, um, you gave me 30 minutes. I want to honor that time because we're, we're coming up right on already. Okay. Well, Um, I could talk to you all day. We'll uh, do it again. We will. And I I think, uh, I've just made the decision that I'm going to make it up to you. Uh, are you in Nashville? Yep. Okay. I'm in Nashville. And, uh, and I think, I'll make it up to you. I'll bring my stuff, and we'll we'll do a part two up there. That would as, be so much I'm fun. Like feeling the 17th Street. That would be one of my favorite podcasts. I did was Restaurant Unstoppable. Do okay. you watch? Do you Mm-mm. listen to that? Nope. And he just kind of travels the country, and we recorded right inside 17th Street. It was really fun. I love it. Well, let's uh, let's make that happen. Enjoy your time here. You're judging today. Yes. Uh, so that's this why. is my 18th year judging. Wow. Really 19, but I missed one year. Okay. I, technically, I have two minutes. So, what what today are you? What do you look for when you open up that box? I am trying to be a very pure judge because I think the mistake most people make is that I don't like that, or that doesn't. It, they're comparing that, it to their favorite barbecue, right. and so I'm really siloing each entry and thinking: Is this tender? Is it what? What is, is the flavor pleasing to me? Mm-hmm. Is it moist? Is all of the different categories. Yeah of doneness, you know, how, what yeah. do I think about this? I know that these people have poured their heart and soul and into they're this. they're all champions that are they're, here. Oh my gosh. The, I mean, here you have to be good, but you also have to be lucky, right? Because right? you're, you're a champion and then you're and drawn. And you got drawn, here. exactly. Yeah. So I, I just want to be very reverent about the judging process and to really give each entry its due. Yeah. And I have no doubt that you'll do that. Amy, it was an absolute pre- pleasure uh, having you here. Thank Can't you wait so to do much. it again. Good luck today judging and uh, may the smoke be with you. Wonderful. I can't wait to welcome you to Murfreesboro and I hope you have a fabulous day here. Thanks a lot. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to the May the Smoke Be With You podcast with Joe Levitt.